Undeceptions podcast. Christmas is probably a barometer for the church as to where its influence lies. Imagine a DeLorean time machine car appears outside your house this year and you get in and you're told that you're going to 2052 to see what the future looks like. You arrive and you see what it actually looks like 30 years from now. Do you want that future? What would you do to get there or to get away from that future? That's what we're going to find out. about this? Well, it's happened again, or at least I heard about it happening again, a community carol service at which the organisers balked. But what did they balk at? Well, they balked at the suggestion by one of the churches invited to be involved that the actual story of Christmas be read out. You know, the one about Jesus and Mary and the shepherds and wise men, stuff like that. The thing that it's all about from the Bible. Well, a bit of toing and froing ensued and eventually permission was given. That is, permission was given to read out the original Christmas story at a Christmas carols event. Fancy that. The fear, of course, was that someone was going to be offended by it. Who that someone was, well, we're not quite sure. But there's a trope out there, a someone who fits a template created by town councils and the like and government departments. Well, before we get all culture wars about this, about the absurdity of it all, about conservatives and progressives, etc., it's worth pausing to realise that all of this is happening with Christmas and that it's becoming just like so much of the other stuff that Christianity gave to the world. You know the stuff I mean, the human rights stuff, the idea of humility as a virtue, not a vice, the need for charity for those who are weak, all the stuff that in the West many secular people think just sprang up from the ether. It's almost as if we can have the fruit of the gospel without the root of the gospel in our culture, and people think that will just be fine. And now, pretty much the same is happening for Christmas. If we can have the effect without the cause, the trimmings without the turkey, the packaging without the present, that will be just fine for us in our post-Christian sentimental age. And in a sense, this just accords with the way that the West is increasingly secularising. The recent census data in the Western nations, notably in Australia and the UK this year, shows that nominal belief in Christianity, the default religion, so to speak, is dropping off and at a rate of knots. The days of even the Christmas and Easter types going to church is long gone. Though that won't stop a lot of churches trying to reinvigorate that among our community invitations to do church at Christmas time will be all over social media once again this year. Sermon titles and marketing campaigns will get sassier and smarter, 
in order to provide some hooks at least for busy and distracted secular people this year. So is this just the trend at Christmas? Are churches just pushing harder and harder? And will societies block their ears more and more? I don't think so. I think as the Christianized bits of the culture fade away from even Christmas, we're even going to find that this event is eviscerated of anything meaningful. Now, am I sounding like the Christmas Grinch? Perhaps, though with the long white beard that I have, I've been mistaken for someone else by the odd four-year-old in the shopping center recently. But as we tick off the years, and gee, didn't this one go by quickly, we have to admit that the gaps and opportunities for public witness to what Christmas and Christianity is actually about grow fewer and fewer. And those that do remain eventually are getting completely swamped by the fruit of the Christmas story and no longer its roots. So where's it all going? Well, first up, Christmas is probably a barometer for the church as to where its influence lies. More and more people at Christmas carols run by secular organisations to which Christians are invited but are told how it's got to run, find that they don't have a Christmas bit to it at all. There's no Jesus at the centre. Christians aren't calling the public Christmas shots any longer either. And that's just a reality, right? If it's a surprise to you or a shock or it makes you angry, then you're probably not across just how much the Christian framework has drained away from our culture in recent years. And each year we have to read article after article in the mainstream media about how Christmas is really just a rip-off of paganism and that the whole thing was just an attempt to paper over the past and give it a Jesus-y kind of sparkle. Which is, of course, nonsense. But like the tinsel and the drunk uncles, it will likely get trotted out again this year too. Secular historian Tom Holland, who has shown an increased interest in Christianity in recent times, has debunked this myth a few years ago. I mean, if you don't trust a historian of his calibre, then perhaps it's because you don't want what he says about Christmas to be true. You see, the supposed parallels between ancient paganism and Christianity or Christmas are simply not there. Oh, and incidentally, if you check out the notes for this podcast, I've dropped a link in there for a good overview of the issue at another site, historyforatheists.com. But let's leave aside ancient paganism and its links to Christianity and Christmas, because they're tenuous to say the least, and they're easily disproved. It's the modern paganism that has a real concern over Christmas, and this is more to do with the need for a redress of our seemingly lack of diversity in our culture. For it would seem that the biggest threat to the diversity program in the West is, ironically, the most diverse police system in terms of social groups, ethnicity and global spread that we've ever seen. Christianity. Christianity blew up originally simply because it was so transferable. Every culture could belong, it wasn't tribal, it wasn't for the rich, it wasn't simply for the powerful, or just even for the men. It was for everyone. And this fact seems to have been lost in our current diversity push. The push for more diversity does not seem to extend to leaving the Christmas message intact. Even the wise men now have to bow the knee to a new type of Messiah, 
the diversity one that will somehow lead us to a promised land. Now, if you're a traditional Christian, it's easy to get a little frustrated by it all. Is the window closing even on the one event that we have left in the public square that has a solid theological centre? Perhaps, but let's not be revisionist here. The noise of a post-Christian Christmas has been ramping up for some years. We've been going on about the commercialization of it all for some time. There's a definite queasiness, or at least there should be, about the excesses of it all, especially when Christmas is devoid of the story at the center, the lavish generosity of God. The message of Christmas wasn't lost to the public with the queasiness felt by secular progressive organizations towards the actual story of Jesus. That's just a symptom of our late modern society. Wealthy capitalism is as much to blame for the loss of the framework, just as much as woke culture is for that disconnect between Christmas and Christianity. Any form of giving that doesn't implicitly recognize the prime giver at Christmas is just as hostile to the Christmas story as a misdirected diversity agenda at your local council carols. In his great new book, Biblical Critical Theory, French philosophy scholar Chris Watkin speaks about the difference between a culture of lavish gift-giving that has God's selfless generosity at its centre and a culture that does not. Watkins says that something critical is lost when we give up the idea of free gift, a biblical idea rooted in covenant and the promise-keeping God, and we settle for what our modern West has settled for itself, economically, socially and relationally, contractual obligation. Watkins says without covenant, contractual obligation reduces humans to wheelers and dealers in the corporate boardroom, or as he puts it, signing contracts with the gods. And in such a dense book as Biblical Critical Theory, even Christmas gets a mention. Here's what Watkins says. Covenant giving means this. We are joyful children on Christmas morning, receiving unexpectedly lavish gifts from loving parents. Free gift, not contractual obligation, is at the heart of the Bible's picture of reality just as it is at the heart of the Bible's picture of redemption. If this principle is followed through, it yields a world in which the poor, the weak and the aged are not cast aside because they have nothing to put on the table in the great business deal of life, but they are cared for and honoured. He goes on to say this, and it's a lengthy quote, both the paradigm of gift and the paradigm of the market have at their heart an idea of excess but their respective excesses stand in stark contrast. The biblical excess of creation is God's superabundant divine generosity of freely and lovingly bringing into being an unnecessary world, and it issues in measureless praise and wonder. The market paradigm of excess, by contrast, is a surplus of overproduction and overconsumption. These two rival models of transgressing the limits of the expected both seek to assuage the deep human longing for richness and abundance. The first plunges us into the ocean of God's bottomless generosity. The second contents itself to scratch around in the broken cisterns of limitless accumulation. Phew, that's a lot packed into that tiny parcel of a present. But I heartily recommend Watkins' book, I think it's going to be a seminal text for Christianity in terms of how it addresses our modern culture and the power plays that we're seeing. 
Now, if we put all this together, here we are at Christmas in the late modern world, buffeted by the cross pressures of late market capitalism and its desire to sign us up contractually to a form of giving without the giver, and a progressive post-Christian culture that views the actual Christmas story as hostile to a diversity program of its own making. One that, ironically, other minority faiths in our Western settings have no interest in signing up for, no matter how many times they are patronizingly offered it by non-religious folk. It's little wonder that we run the risk at Christmas of feeling completely desiccated by the forces surrounding us. It's little wonder too that we feel the queasiness of overconsumption in a world in which social media especially brings us pictures of the good life we have and the horrors of the bad life others have at one and the same time. And that we feel the frustration of the one event left to us in the public square being hollowed out by a vision of the future that is devoid of the reappearing of the very one whose appearance we are supposedly celebrating at Christmas. So what can we do about this? Well, for one, let's not get grinchy. There's no room for that sentiment in the current cultural moment, even if it is tempting. In fact, we do see it often. In the face of the sheer stupidity of balking at the Christmas story being read out at a carol service, we find people get a bit angry about it. But it's a symptom of something bigger, of seeking, as Australian pastor and author Mark Sayers puts it, the kingdom without the king at its centre. But perhaps instead of getting grinchy, we ought to just hold our nerve. The story is ours after all, it belongs to the Christians, regardless of how the marketplace capitalists or the backyard historians wish to contort it. And that's why I think the churches can still lean into the deep difference between what the gospel offers at Christmas and what the wider society offers. It's the difference between covenant and contract. Covenant in which a generous God offers a lavish gift of grace on undeserving creatures. Or contract, in which those who are deemed deserving of the prize, the fruits of the market, or a place at the cultural table on the basis of the desserts. The fall away of the Christianized culture may indeed be the necessary step that shows the stark contrast between covenant and contract this Christmas. Covenant people will get to model true diversity, a celebration at the Christmas table of all sorts and types. Because let's face it, who gets invited to your table at events such as Christmas tells you just how diverse you actually are, no matter what your social media post says. And we'll get to model true generosity, a way of giving without expecting back in some sort of contractual arrangement. As our society becomes more mean-spirited and even less diverse in terms of what is allowed to be expressed in the public square, the church can become a sanctuary for those who are looking for something more during this season than a glitzy packaged reindeer and snow event devoid of the scandal of the incarnation. And something more than a test case of how all secular progressive agendas can use an event like a carol service as a funnel down which to pour their own version of good news of great joy for all the people. Maybe 
just maybe, the coming decades, as the mystery of the true Christmas story becomes even more mysterious, we'll see a return, perhaps only a trickle, but a return nonetheless of people looking for some truly good news, looking past the market capitalism and the progressive secularism for something that has weight and meaning, a deep well that will satisfy. We are told, after all, aren't we, that where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. That's the great irony, hey, that the Christmas carols, sung so unthinkingly by so many, are the deepest theology we can often get, and they give us the deepest promises we could ever hope for. What does it say? He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. God hasn't finished with the nations yet, not even the Western nations, and especially not this Christmas. Podcast.